You're tuning in to Weird Reality, the number one destination for super fans of writers, podcasters, and researchers who challenge you to test the boundaries of your imagination and question that which society considers normal. Hey guys, this is Hadley, and I am happy to say that I'm with my good friends Morgana Calder, Henry Tully, and my special friend Tracy Crosby, who I'm so excited to have amongst y'all tonight. So Tracy, you want to tell us just a little bit about your background and how we know each other? I will, Hadley. Look, I am so pleased to be here with Morgana and with Tully and you. I appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to speak with all of you and have this wonderful conversation. And um, so a little bit about myself. I grew up in rural Mississippi and I lived in um, the sticks, as we say down here in the South. So very remote area. And um I'm 62 years old. I have a degree in music. I taught for 33 years in the collegiate system, public school system. And I'm also a Reiki master practitioner and a medical certified Reiki practitioner, currently the only one in the state, and also a shamanic practitioner who studied in a traditional apprenticeship. And so how that all fits together is kind of strange, <laughs> but that's why we're here is to talk about the things that are unusual. And I'm, I'm just happy to be here and add to the conversation in any way I can. Awesome. So no, go, go ahead. If you it sounded like you're going to say something. That was probably me, Tilly. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. I, I asked whenever Morgana and I first met, I asked her the same question, but you know, so in Mississippi, like where you grew up, what was the the culture like there as far as spirituality goes? Was it, you know, accepted? Was it kind of frowned upon to, to be on the kind well, of fringe? Obviously, I think we can guess the answer to that. But Mississippi, I always say Mississippi is sort of the buckle on the Bible belt. And I think Morgana would agree with me on that. I think that was my exact answer. It, it, really, <laughs> it really was. We are buckled down tight here with um, a very, uh, and it's understandable how it came to be, et cetera, et cetera, the history, the settling of people here and so forth. But, you know, the reality in our world is that we are more than our physical body, our mental state, our emotions. We are energetic and spiritual beings. And all of that has been repressed. It doesn't really matter if we're talking about religion or social climate or even within our families. The aspects of the human experience are not fully expressed in today's world. The indigenous cultures had practices in place because they lived on the earth. And those things were common in society, shared amongst each other. Uh, You know, in today's world, especially when I grew up in the 60s, Civil rights was a was a huge ordeal. We didn't even see women's rights until the 70s. As a matter of fact, I went to college on a, a basketball scholarship. It was only the second year of Title IX, which was the law that changed everything for women's sports in that if 
the college offered a scholarship for men, they must then offer it for women. So I would not ever even have gone to college without that opportunity. Yeah, no, that's so, yeah in, the, in the South, as we know, we're always a little behind everybody else. So what, you know, what's going on now in the ascension movement of the world, the enlightenment movement, we all know something's happening. We all know that there are things going on in the world that are not as we've been told. People are waking up every day. Some of us have been awake longer, and it's not a judgment. It just happens to be the way it is. And we are here to shine that light and to help others see if they're if they're wanting to know more you know we're we're not here to make things okay for people and we're certainly not here to recruit and force people into a way of thinking things just are the way they are and when you can see that and you see the world around you and the messages that are everywhere your life opens up and i'm very lucky to be in a place where people are literally coming out of the woodwork starving for this type of validation and information and i don't even know how i got picked so to speak to be a person to help share that and help teach but i'm honored each and every day and grateful to be able to do that with others well, it sounds like that you're was important like to, to a lot of people in, in that regard um who, who kind of fostered that spark in you though well, you know, it's an interesting thing. I think when you grow up in a remote place, and Morgana, you may, you may be able to add some to this too, being where you were, you were from, um, when you're removed from people, you're on your own. You wander the forests or you grow up each day and in your own inner self, your inner universe is sort of your place of exploration. Uh, you begin to come aware of things. Um, that people today, especially children today, don't have the opportunity to do. Their universe is inside a computer or a telephone or a game. And so, you know, fostering that was really, it, it wasn't as much fostering as it was just the way it is. And then how do you then go with it when you step into the world? So I had many experiences wandering the woods as a child. Uh, things that I didn't really think were unusual, but found out later going to school, talking with other people, they were, look, you know, they thought that was kind of strange. <laughs> you know? What? Talking to the wind? What? You know, having <laughs> unusual things. But um, I think what you're asking me is how did I get into the business of spiritual work, so to speak? How did that happen? And I fell into it. I'm, I'm, I don't call myself a shaman because there's there are specific things that that title goes with, but I am a shamanic practitioner, but I was a reluctant practitioner. I wasn't looking for it, wasn't seeking it. It fell to me. Um, and Morgana, you know my teacher, Jim Ewing, mm -hmm. the yes. author of eight wonderful spiritual books. Um, and uh, it was a synchronistic event meeting him. He told me some things about myself I didn't want to really acknowledge. But once I did and stepped into it, 
uh, things begin to change. And because I've always been a teacher and I was a professional educator when I met him, it's natural for me to want to share information. And um, I also grew up in a home where uh, I had a parent that was very ill from the time I was very little. So I was a caretaker and I was always looking for ways to help my mother. She has MS, but at the time it was undiagnosed. And so throughout my life, I tried to find ways to help her. And of course, the medications and the treatments were not, that. that's not what was working. And I was in Hawaii once and heard the word Reiki and felt like I bet each one of you and each of your listeners has had this moment where you feel like a vibration or a movement through your body that zings you and you just go, what? <laughs> what was that? What was that word? And I researched it and learned it was a wonderful Japanese healing art energy form. And at that moment, I knew I had to study that to help my mom. And it led one thing led to another. And that's kind of how the big energy snowball started <laughs> started down the hill. That's awesome. Now, I understand also that you do uh, surgical Reiki. And that's not something until I was speaking with Hadley about you that I had really, ha I wasn't familiar with it. So kind of how does, how does that work? Well, I haven't gotten to practice that here in the state, unfortunately. Uh, these are doors that I've been prompted to try to open for Mississippi is how mm -hmm. to bring energy work in a, uh, a trained and validated way and kind of dispel the woo-woo-ness around energy. You know, we have, we have this, this sort of notion and it's been promoted, I think, probably mostly through religious practices that anything energy oriented is not good. It comes from a bad place. And of course, that's just not true. And when you look into the science of energy work, there are many, many great books out there. Um, if anybody's interested in studying the science of energy, uh, look look to the Oshman book. That's one of the best ones out there. And um, so, you know, the science behind Reiki uh, has been studied intensely. There are numerous studies on PubMed and other government websites that have empirical evidence. Uh, studies showing something is going on. Mm -hmm. um, I got sort of involved with looking towards the medical Reiki in trying to find ways to bring authenticity to heal energy healing to our state. We, you know, we live in a place in Jackson. There are so many hospitals here, world-renowned hospitals. Mm -hmm. You know, big pharma, big medicine, allopathic care is big business. But healing is not. Yep. Well, there's no money in that. Well, that's right. You know, we're we're all <laughs> in the rabbit hole. We know the real story behind what drives most things. There's there's money in treatment. The medical not uh, the medical Reiki thing. When I found out there were actually people doing this, I, I met a woman named Raven Keys, and she's written several books. She is the pioneer of surgical Reiki. She's uh, from New York City and several decades ago was invited by a world-renowned heart surgeon who I'm sure you've heard of called Mehmet Oz. Mm -hmm. Dr. Oz has a TV mm -hmm. show. Yep. 
Well, when he was, he was the, the God of heart surgery in New York, he invited her into his surgical suite to see how Reiki might better help his patients. He wanted a, a more holistic ap- approach to heart surgery. And he had such wonderful results that he kept inviting her over and over to attend his clients, I mean, his patients, while he performed surgery. And this went on for a long time uh, until eventually somebody in an administrative place said, oh, you can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So she began working for a world-renowned breast cancer surgeon who she now still practices with, but she's written several books. And so that's the person I studied with. And I'm qualified to do that. Uh, If somebody wanted to allow me into a surgical suite, then I could be there and perform Reiki practice with that patient while they were undergoing surgery. That's awesome. That is really cool. I have done this, what's called remotely. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with remote healing. Um, uh, We know that there's no uh, problem with with practicing energy medicine over space and time. And there's actually science behind it. There's two terms. One's called quantum entrainment. The other's called quantum entanglement. They help kind of explain how this works. But I you, have had you really, clients. You, you're really in my pocket right now. with what <laughs> <you're saying>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and I'm sorry to ramble, ramble on. That was a long answer to a, probably a short question, uh, Morgan. So I'm sorry I kept going with that. But I get so excited trying to explain to people how it's not, it's not woo-woo. This is real stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll say, um, as someone who has studied with Tracy and has worked in the healthcare field, we, in the organization I worked for, we would have to get nursing hours for our um networking events that we would have and it was a really hard thing there's a lot of questions there's a lot of hoops to jump through and you have to be really on the ball with how medically it serves the community mm-hmm. and she was able to get those hours approved for her reiki classes which was phenomenal because i mean we knew people who were medical professionals who weren't getting their classes approved oh yeah Absolutely, because uh, I was a certified CNA for years. Um, Just someone talked me into it and I just kept the license forever. But yeah, I would have to get those, you know, credits every year to keep that license. And, you know, when it became too much of a pain, I quit. You know, that's when I let the license go. Yeah, there's there's always in in education, which I was in in a collegiate education, you get what's called professional development. Same thing. Mm hmm. You have to keep taking classes. Uh, so someone like me with 30, I had 33 years in education. You had 10 or 15 hours a semester of professional development. So you can imagine how many types of courses I had to take over the years in everything wow. you can ever think of. Right. And it, it can be overwhelming. But but yeah, have, um, Hadley, thank you so much for mentioning that because my company, Reiki Mississippi, is is the only one that's ever been able to be approved through the Mississippi Nursing Foundation. So when we have nurse uh, students, nursing students who are uh, have their license, I mean nurses who have their license and become Reiki students, they can receive ten hours of CE credit when they complete our course. So they 
are trained in nursing self-care for themselves because what is the most stressful job in the world? It's not a doctor. I can tell you that. It is the nurse. (laughs) Yes. They they are the ones. And who has it worse is floor nurses. Oh, my God. Well, Tracy, have you seen, I I know um, we've talked about how the world has changed in the last two years, but have you seen a lot more people turning to getting their Reiki, um, I guess, practitioner license? Well, I have encouraged that more and more. What I have seen in my own studio is probably a 50% increase in clientele over the last couple of years. And a lot of my clients are professional people like uh, I see a lot of doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, and lawyers, uh, you know, people who are under great stress in their profession. And and then I also see what we call regular people, people like me, people like you, who are not getting a complete uh, course of care through simply going to their doctor and receiving a pill or a program of nutrition or whatever it may be. Releasing yeah, really, stress is, is difficult if you don't know <laughs> that that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. There, there can be so many effects of stress that that you don't even realize you're stress related. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate that. I, I'm thinking back, like you took me back to like when I was first getting interested in, in this stuff in my teens. Um, and even younger, you were talking you about, mean, you mean just a couple of years ago, <laughs> <laughs> you can't be Man. more than 19. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man. I have, I, you, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. But um, no, I'm almost 32, almost 32. Um, oh no, you're not. <laughs> it has... I feel go ahead. You're my son's age. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it started really early. Like my interest in all this stuff started probably when I was five or six. I, I was in um I mean it was the nineties. Mm-hmm. So I was isolated a lot as a child. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. my caretaker was uh my nana who was very sick at the time and she just slept all day so it it was Mm -hmm. the the young and the restless on the tv and me sitting there staring at the wall making up worlds in my mind for eight hours a day in the summertime Mm -hmm. but there you go see you had that isolation (laughs) as well that's that's it old old country town i mean there's probably Mm -hmm. like a couple thousand people in the town very remote like you said Spent a lot of time in the woods, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, like when you're talking about like quantum physics, really wh- where that hit home with me is when I was in my teens. Um, I'd gotten a book. It was you're gonna laugh. It was witchcraft for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually owned that book, so no, I'm not gonna laugh. <laughs> and I and I, I to this day I love that book because it's a very um, it's not objective, not super objective to where it's like, you have to be in this lane. Like, this is the lane you have to be in. And it, it speaks more generally and all that, like, long-winded answer to get to, there's a section in that book that talks specifically about where the metaphysical meets the, um, 
the physics aspect, especially if you believe in like, you know, string theory where, you know, you get into vibrational aspects of the universe that we live in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're beings of energy and vibration, then of course we can have effect on this physical reality if everything is made up of vibrations. You know what I mean? Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, even the ancient civilizations knew everything vibrated. The Greeks had a term for it. They called it the music of the spheres. They, they knew the planets each had a separate vibration. And so, um, in fact, I taught a lot about this when I taught music uh, theory. Is everything, I mean, and think about this, that whole butterfly effect. If everything is moving, it must be moving something. What is it moving? And then what is that moving? And what is that moving? So in that respect, we are all affecting people, plants, animals, and they are all affecting us. We're all in sort of this vibrational soup, this big pond of, of motion. And we're just a little aspect of that. But we have so much potential to affect anyone that we come in contact with. And the other interesting thing about that is, is once you become in contact with someone, there's something called quantum entanglement. And through science, there are many wonderful, interesting experiment experiments on this, but it proves that once you're entangled, unless you specifically do something to untangle, you stay connected forever through time and space. Now, doesn't that explain every relationship you've ever had that you wish you could let go of? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But I'm you are quantumly for a minute and, and mention this. Um, and I, because I think we forgot to mention this earlier, but Tully is an amazing musician. Well, it's, I wouldn't say amazing. Wonderful. I, I, I play music and uh, slop it together, and uh, Hadley and everybody else uses it for stuff. Well, you know, Excellent. for those of us that are not capable of that, you're awesome. So, <laughs> well, Tracy, yeah. he's got a very different vision of music than what we're used to around here. So I think I'll, I'll send you some of his stuff. Wonderful. Love it. Yeah. Love it. You, you can be the, uh, you know, Stravinsky of our time and cause yeah, riots yeah. and things, you know, well, as a, uh, I'm, I'm sure as a trained professional, you'll be able to hear uh fault where they can't. So. <laughs> well, but you know, the thing about that is, is that when music, you know, first started, there was no fault, right? That only came later in understanding how things line up and then you don't want to do it a certain way and and it must sound like this only because it enriches the the overall sound when things line up in a certain way. But there's really no right or wrong. I mean, no, it, if we, yeah. you know, if we all follow the same thing, uh, you know, where, where's the interest in that? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I, I like very, um, very roomy, kind of surpassing the ceiling kind of music. Mm-hmm. And as Hadley and Morgana know, that kind of takes form in different ways whenever I'm feeling it sometimes. Well, you're the spokesperson for your where you are. All art is just an expression of what's happening at any time period. So 
keep on doing it. That's right. That's right. I just think about uh, what's going to like the next promo that they do. I just get something in my mind and I'm just like, well, Mm. you know, there's a lot of uh, horror authors and, and zombie stuff going on. So let's make like a, a crazy sounding thing. So do you, are you an acoustic musician or do you synthesize sound or how Um, are you creating? A little bit of everything. Um, I've got a couple acoustic guitars. mandolin uh banjo i was gonna ask you if you played banjo i kind of saw that in your energy i i am not i'm not kidding let me tell you banjo is one of the most fascinating and intriguing stringed instruments that there is i've i've loved the banjo forever and it's not i'm a guitarist and a bass player it's not easy to play banjo yeah i you know look i'm not great at it i'm cool at making um different sounds with it than kind mm. of traditional bluegrassy uh top sounds i guess oh that's great um and then yeah i, I have a synth that i use sometimes um I'm trying to think of what else uh cecil was who has the doctor who music thing <laughs> that you the, the doctor who music you know the um the synth, synth type Oh, the, like all of that? Yeah, that's that's me. See, that's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, e- everything except for... So the one track that I said that Foreman and I was working on together, he played the guitar on that one, and I did all the other stuff. Cool. Well, I would love for him to take one of your drumming classes, because I think he would... Mm-hmm. I think he would get so much from that. Me? Oh, for you mean a, a journey class to learn yes. about shamanic drumming? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. I think so too. Everybody say, can. I, I'm really terrible at drumming. See, so here's what needs to happen: is like maybe next late spring, Hadley has a big thing at her house, and we all come to Jackson, and Tracy comes and shows us how to play drum. <laughs> it's all for you, and it will send you to other worlds you've never imagined. <laughs> It's well, come in January. I'm having a, a shamanic uh, a journey class in January in Philadelphia, Mississippi. So mm-hmm. come then, <laughs> even better. Are you doing it uh, 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 at the Choctaw? No, I'm doing it at a private residence that's opening. Oh, okay. it's, it's like a little retreat place that's opened it up for uh for me to do this class so if you're interested let me know but i'd love to have you and have you experience shamanic journey the drumming part is not really the part that's so important uh in that but anybody can buy a drum a hand drum online and really all you have to do is beat it that's it there's not really a technique there's not really um, a right or wrong way. It is about experiencing that sound and you get to know your drum. And there's lots of medical studies on what it does for your physical body. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how I know Jim. I went to a couple of his uh, drumming circles. Back oh, did forever you? ago. Yeah. And then uh, we had a friend back years ago that had a little shop in the Fondren district of Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Karen at Karen's shop. And, Very- uh, Gary, good yes. friend of Karen Parker. Know yes. her very well. And uh, that's actually where I met him at. How wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, so I mean, I've got drums. 
I've got tons of drums around my house. My grands love coming to my house. Well, I'm going to see him in a couple of days. So I will say that I spoke to you. Thank you. Like I said, I don't guess I've been up there in ooh, 16, 15, 16 years, something like that. It's been so a while. We were going to his house when he would have those big drum circles in his mm -hmm. studio upstairs. That was in Lena, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember that house. Yep. I sure do. All, all the rocks out front. <laughs> uh, yes. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I've told Jim, so it's okay to tell someone else. When I took my very first meeting with him, I had, caught, had found his name uh, online as being a Reiki instructor. Couldn't believe it. Came back from Hawaii and I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's someone in Mississippi that teaches Reiki. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. So I called him. And he said, well, uh, the class is a ways off, but I think you need to come and get attuned right now. And then you can take the class. I just hear this in your voice. You need to come, come tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand any of it. It drove up to that house and saw all of those crystals and feathers and Buddhist prayer flags and all of these things covering the front of the house. And I, I just was going, oh, my God, what in the world have I done? Mm -hmm. And we laugh about that now because entering that house changed the course of my life. Yeah. And I was actually thinking I was nuts to be there. <laughs> when I stepped in the door, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've told me this story, but I, I really love for you to tell Tully and um, Morgana about how after you had um, gotten your Reiki done with him, how you moved over to the shamanism aspect. Well, he he's the person that saw that with me. I, I, I didn't know really anything about it. I'd always been interested in um, Native American culture actually all indigenous culture. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be an anthropologist or archaeologist. And I had started studying uh, a lot about the Anasazi, the Pueblo tribes of the Southwest, the Mayans, Aztecs, Indian, uh, Incans, and things like that in the Central and South America. I had a, had a very big fascination with all that as a kid. So when he want, told me... For a second. I, I've got something crazy to say. It just blew my yeah. mind today. So, and Tracy, you may, you may know the real answer to this, but these guys were on a, um, an episode with me about the Mandela effect. And you said the mm -hmm. Aztecs and Incans, mm -hmm. do you guys, do y'all know who invented peanut butter? Are you you're talking about the guy in Georgia? Uh, what was his name? It was a black <clears throat> man, right? That's what I remember as well. Uh -huh. I remember yeah. um, yes. George Washington Carver. Yes, yes. yes. There yes. you go. He never invented peanut butter. Really? So where did that story come from? Um, well, I mean, the Mandela affects its whole thing. But uh, now the, the peanut butter was invented officially by a man in uh, Canada. But unofficially, it goes back as far as the Aztecs and the Incans. Well, now that's see, very I never that. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just like that blew my mind today. And I was like, oh, my 
god, I'm what? like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. I, I actually can see that as pro as being something that's, you know, like now they understand where it came from and perhaps he came across that at some place and then figured out how to do it and brought it to modern civilization. But you're saying there's another person that did that actually. Yeah. Yeah. There's like three people apparently now interesting. Be before George Washington Carver that invented mm -hmm. peanut butter and, I know 1,000%, 1 billion percent that when I was in school, I was taught that well, George yeah. Washington Carver invented a Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So two options, there's two options in place with that. Either we were taught wrong, you know, which I'll tell you, there are a lot of history books that are incorrect. Well, and I don't want to, I was going to talk about that earlier, but I don't want to like, I know that your background is in, education that I, I, I don't mm. want to offend you but I, I do think that a lot of the history that we're taught is like we we were lied to about a lot of things oh we're probably lied to most of it look i'll tell you this this will put your mind at ease tully when i taught music uh in in collegiate music if you're going to be a career musician you take a course called music theory and it's it's sort of the background of how modern music is written it's fascinating but you get this huge textbook. It's like $200. Okay. That you have to buy for this course. And I, every time I taught a class, I would hold this textbook up and I'd say, you see this book? And this is written by these three people here or two people here. And all this is, is these people's opinion. That's all it is. Any textbook in your book bag, it is those people's opinion and their viewpoint. It is not necessarily all there is or what it is. So, yeah, I, I, I struggle with that a lot. Well, yes, I did too. I, I didn't teach my classes in the regular way. <laughs> I, can, I can appreciate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's because it's just not, it's just not, it's just not right, really. You, you know, Educators really should be opening the world up to students, not confining them to a dogmatic set of facts and figures. Yes, it's it feel, it's very refreshing to hear that in spoken word because I, I feel like the the majority, especially collegiate educators at this point, you know, aren't that um, you know grounded in 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 I guess just being open to different ideas. Um, you know, like when I was in college, um, I had a, a great professor at one point. She had her name was Doctor 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 J because she had so many doctorates. <laughs> um, and specifically, she taught um, philosophy and ethics. And in her class, like, I mean, just name any number of political issues that people just like mm. hate each other about, like. Mm. Um, you know, I don't even got to name one. You know, I'm sure you can think of some. But all of these very divisive topics, and in her class, you were required to have a legitimate argue, argument from both perspectives. Mm, take the other point of view, yeah. Right. Like, you, you had to do it or you fell out of the class. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the sort of thing that that I think it sets educators apart, just like you were talking about. To where you're not just, 
you know, farming somebody else's ideas, but you're giving a very open opinion of and, and perspective to people. That reminds me of something that Morgana said um, when I first met her was her dad. <laughs> and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so forgive no, me if I butcher it. But her dad had told her, why should he go to church and just hear someone else's thoughts on the Bible when he could read the book for himself? I yep. remember you saying that like that resonates that, with me. Yeah. I mean, and that that's how he looked at it. So I can remember having imaginary friends. And whereas, you know, most adults would be, oh, she's just got an imagination. He would sit down and start asking me questions about them. You know, what is, is it a boy or a girl? Mm -hmm. What do they look like? You know, what do you talk about? So I was never dismissed for being oh, that's wonderful. open, you know. Now, understand, my mother was brought up uh, Southern Baptist and Pentecostal. So she had a different outlook. <laughs> yeah. <Yowza. laughs> so, so there was a little bit of disconnect there, but I, I feel like I got the best of both worlds. Well, you, know, you my, did. What, yeah. what extremes? How about that? Yeah. And, you know, until the day he died, I mean, we had mm -hmm. an oak tree you weren't allowed to touch. They weren't allowed to trim because a family of hawks uh, yeah. nested there every yeah. year. And those were his hawks, you know. Oh, that's I mean, wonderful. Yeah. So like I said, you know, so I, I mean, I feel like I was lucky in that. My mother finally, after, you know, 40 years probably said, okay, I'll realize we don't think the same way. And that's the closest to acknowledgement she's ever gotten to. I don't believe the way you do, <laughs> but it's progress, you know, it's baby steps, mm. baby <laughs> steps. Yeah, and you'd have to ask, you know, yourself when you meet people like that, what happened that put them in that closed down sort of confined viewpoint? And I, I certainly do not criticize or, and seriously don't. I mean, I'm not just saying that. However, whatever your belief system is, your viewpoint, those are the filters that you've come into the world and the and the things that you've learned to, to believe or do and through your own experiences and all becomes this one ball of wax. But mm -hmm. You just when you're when you're very open minded, then your question is always what happened to that person to close them down? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember in uh, I was about eight or nine and um, my mother made sure that we were in church every Sunday. Now, she wasn't necessarily there, but we were going to be in church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I had a Sunday school teacher. I forget what the subject was now, but I was questioning because I'm that person you know, and uh, when my mom came to pick us up, she took her aside and told her, you need to do something with her. She's asking too many questions. So of course, mom fussed at me on the way home. Well, then I got home and I'm upset. And my dad's like, well, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, here's what happened. He goes, well, he said, what do you think? And I told him, he said, don't ever stop asking questions. If they can't answer your questions, then they don't have an answer. And if only that were the predominant thought process in today's <laughs> world. Right. <laughs> Ask freaking questions. Yes, absolutely. Which goes back to what I was talking about a minute ago. Like you should be able to talk about what, what it doesn't matter what you want to talk about. Like if they don't have answers, that's a, that's an issue. Right. And I'm willing to listen to anybody's opinion or their, their beliefs or their thoughts but at least be receptive to hearing my side because right. I, I will never belittle you unless you're being totally stupid and you put me in that position, <laughs> you know, 
And, but otherwise, you know, you're, you have your beliefs for whatever reason, they're yours. It's not for me to decide whether or not they're right or wrong, but don't immediately think because I'm different that I'm beneath you. Well, you know, that person who came on Tully's show that kept shutting them down, how mad that made me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you, you just don't do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I agree. You're respectful of other people's opinions. They don't have to agree with you and you don't have to agree with them, but there's a thing called mutual respect and understanding. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't care if somebody comes on the show and says, I, I believe that the Easter bunny runs the universe. Like, uh, uh, let's hear it. Like, yeah, let's, exactly. Let's, Tell me about pitch it. it to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how yeah, Go who ahead. was it? Who was it? That, I think it might have been Einstein, but don't quote me on that. But who? Somebody, somebody important like that said, "I never learned anything from someone I agree with." Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I have done my best to surround myself with people who challenge me to think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And. A lot of times I've had family members say, how could, how can you, how could you, you know, when you don't agree and it's like, that's what, that's the lovely thing about it, especially if someone can get me to change my stance on something, Mm -hmm. which has happened. Oh yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. If it tells you anything, my papa used to, so if you caught a rattlesnake, he had one of those boxes you could catch rattlesnakes and the church would pay a hundred dollars a pop for them. Wow. In my hometown. Are they snake handlers? There, there were some of them. Um, I mean, there's a lot of like tried and true Southern Baptist churches, mm-hmm. but and in Pentecostal. my yeah. Pentecostal, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And in my hometown, there were uh, almost as many churches as pharmacies. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> see, ours was ours was churches and liquor stores. Mm-hmm. So that tells you a little bit about it, right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a right. <laughs> extremes. Yes. Huge epidemic of pharmaceutical drugs where I grew up. Like, uh, I bet any any pizza place or do you guys know what Lee's famous chicken is? I've heard of it. Mm-mm. So it must not be that famous. So my husband Lee, drives a truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then he knows. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so Lee was the nephew of Colonel Sanders and thought ah. he could make a better a better uh chicken ah. company. So they're all over like I guess it, I guess it's the Midwest at this point, but there was a Lee's in my hometown. It shut down. I I think it it didn't burn all the way down, but I think there was a fire or something it shut down. That's a pharmacy mm-hmm. now. There was a, a gas mm-hmm. station slash Taco Bell. Taco Bell shut down. So now you have a gas station and drive through pharmacy. So you can oh, pull wow. up and go get your medication at the same time. Yeah, but, I was going to bring up the, the the southern and midwestern United States. There's always those interesting combos of little <laughs> stop and shops, you know. Uh, yeah. Jerry, you know, Jimmy's uh, gas uh barbershop and Beer bar. know, fried chicken <laughs> place and you know what i mean it's like these weird combinations hey, of i have one things. about four miles from my house that is farm equipment and medical scrubs there you go that's a good one <laughs> yeah. have heard that one before <laughs> yeah okay. uh, that just i was like okay <laughs> 
that is a, for you. <laughs> that is a southern thing. So if any of if anyone is listening to this and doesn't know what we're talking about, I'm sorry. You just have to come and experience it. <laughs> right. And go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when you walk in a place like that, that has food, you come out smelling like it. It will not come out of your clothes either. No. <laughs> the, the deep fried chicken on a stick, no. it will not come out of your clothes. So, uh, I will say that the, the best cheeseburger I ever had is, in fact, in Manchester, Kentucky, at a world famous uh, burger joint that's just a hole in the wall. It's called Pat's. Uh, some people call it Pat's Snack Bar. Commercial from the lady, from the CNN CNN yeah. commercial. Yeah, where they're like, here at Pat's Snack Bar, where the cigarette smoke is almost as thick as the cheeseburgers. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think that was the year that uh, that Clay County, where I was uh, raised at, I think that was the year that we were also like either the first or second poorest county in the United States. Wow, that's unusual. It's not Mississippi. You you beat us that, out. That's crazy. That, there, was, there was a couple <laughs> years there where wow, I mean, the, the the place is just destroyed with yeah. um, drugs and yes. no work. Opioids. That, I mean, you name it. Yeah, opioids. That's that's yep. that's. Uh, but you know, methamphetamine. I mean, I don't I don't know how we got on this topic because it does <laughs> it doesn't. But we're on it, and um, you know, it's pointing out the devastation of our physical, mental, emotional, you know, uh, aspects, but. It's also to shut down, I think, the awakening of our energetic and spiritual being. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. What, is, what is more devastating than to ruin your mind with an addiction like that, you know? Did you all grow up drinking well water? I have well water right now. We did it, where, where I grew up, yes. We were so far out that we had a well. We still do. I did too. Uh, That's awesome, Morgana. Like I, like I, I'm dropping off into the conspiracy ditch for a minute, but oh goody! I think, <laughs> I think there's so much stuff. Not, I mean, even outside of of drugs and everything else, but there's so much stuff that sometimes I even get overwhelmed with it. That when you look at mm. the back of the food that you're eating and you see all of these That's things right. that you can't pronounce. Mm -hmm. And then you, f you pull back the string on how like fluoride ended up in our water, like the That's version right. of fluoride that's in our water. Mm -hmm. That's right. Sodium and, fluoride. Mm -hmm. And how it is terrible for your pineal gland amongst other things. Like in children, it can cause, you know, XYZ, which, you know, it, there's a whole conspiracy rabbit hole you can get on with that. But all that to say, to your point, I think it's all set up to stop, you know, a certain awakening of spirituality, in my opinion. Well, yeah, because you can't control people that are awake. That's right. That's exactly right. Or that's uh, the, the same thing, too, that, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, Eastern medicine and stuff, you know, it's been used over there for thousands of years. And now they barely even let it come through as a supplement. 
-hmm. And, you know, and so, yeah. And all yeah. of that goes back to one man. Uh, uh, but we can get into that another time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Note to self. Yeah, that's, so, that's a whole well, conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have that because I think mm -hmm. I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. But I, I was going to say that um, I've been down that rabbit hole for a good 20 years, 25 years mm -hmm. now. So a little bit longer, maybe Tully, than you. But I'm always encouraged to see younger people uh, who are already awake. You know, somebody like me, it took a long time because when I grew up, really, it was pretty idyllic with food and stuff, you know, I mean, if we had something out of a box, it was a special thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you well, know, <clears throat> now, no, I, excuse me, nowadays, <clears throat> pardon me, nowadays, if you're not eating something that's, you know, produced and put into a box or plastic, then you're kind of looked at as, well, why would you do that? Yeah. Uh, it, it, so, I'm sorry. But, no, I, I, I was just agreeing that, you know, what's well, happened. Know, right. And to that, because when my kids were younger, I cooked. I mean, you know, I would take something out that morning when I get home, I'd cook dinner. And my daughter used to get so angry because her friends would want to come to our house to eat. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why? And they're like, your mom cooks. You know? Real food. Right. Real you food. Know? And she wanted McDonald's. <clears throat> and like I mm -hmm. said, you know, we just didn't do a lot of that when they were little because and the part of it off a little bit. I had gestational diabetes when I was pregnant with my son. So that's when I started looking at food labels and seeing what was in things, what they could cause. And we just never went back to the way we ate before. I mean, so, mm -hmm. you know, and my husband's family has heart disease and stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, all of this could be good for him too. So I just kind of went with it and it just grew from there, you know, to you know, uh, different medicines, different healing methods and everything. And like I said, you know, once I got away from Yazoo, because we had a small public library, it is the same library that was there when my parents were children. I mean, it, it's gotten no bigger, yeah. you know, they, they've yeah. opened up with a little bit more stuff, but I mean, it's still not, you know, somewhere you go to find deep subjects that are outside of the norm. But I started going to college in Heinz and I would stop at uh, the library every day after class. And then uh, when I went to work, I was working in downtown Jackson, a block from Eudora Welty, which is right. a huge yeah. library. Yeah. And so it just snowballed from there. Oh, I've got to stop because that brings, that brings up something I did want to talk about with Tracy. Oh, awesome. Tell us about the volcano in Jackson. Because I recently Ooh, saw yes. something about it, that there's only like four volcanoes underneath like city, major cities. Don't, how does yeah, Jackson people don't know that. Don't know that Jackson, Mississippi sits atop an ancient volcano, a 70 million year old volcano. I think it's the only capital city out of the four that you're talking about in, in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, there was a very interesting book, and this may be something for future. Uh, you know, I have dreams of having a, a podcast that brings to light strange stuff in Mississippi. And this is somebody careful. that, <laughs> 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 well, it's, it's a long planned process, but I haven't started it yet. But there's a woman that I'm definitely going to interview. I've already contacted her, but 
um, she wrote a book. Her name is Bernadette Cahill. And this book is out of print. You can look and look and look. You're not going to find it. But it's called Over the Volcano. And it is about her personal experience of moving to Jackson. Uh, I think she's originally from either Scotland or Ireland. But she came to America, married a, a man, lived in North Carolina in Asheville, which is very spiritual, right? Even back in the 80s and 90s, very spiritual community. And finds herself suddenly in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> and her experience of the negativity, the depression, the feeling of uh, heaviness. And if you've not been here or lived here in the city, you can't, you can't explain it. But she did research and eventually came upon some science that backed up partly what was going on here had to do with the volcano in that Things are heavier here. The gravity is actually stronger here. And so I did a little research on my own on volcanoes and what I can kind of put together, and I'm sure there's some scientists going to say, oh, that's just bull, but this makes sense to me. Volcanoes that are currently active, such as uh, in Hawaii, right, uh, Kilauea, or even some of the, the in the, what's the one over that's been erupting recently, uh, La Palma or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that energy goes <laughs> outward, right? So the energy is releasing. But an ancient volcano that has done its stuff, its energy sinks. Mm -hmm. And there's also salt domes and all kinds of things under the city. And here we have something called Yazoo Clay, right? <laughs> yes, <we do. laughs> Part of that is a result of the heat that is still trapped after all these millions of years underground helps move the earth. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have bad foundation problems here in our state, roads, everything, you know, yep. eventually cracks and moves. Yes, it does. That's very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that book is fascinating. I, w I really wish there, uh, hopefully, I talked to her right before this whole pandemic started and we were supposed to have a conversation together. And then, of course, all this mess came along and kind of quashed everything. But um, hopefully, I'm going to get back in touch with her and find out more and see if we can get those books back in print. Because not only did she bring to light that, but pointing out just sort of the, how Jackson, Mississippi got put on the map. People don't know this either. Jackson is the only state capital that was built to be a state capital, meaning there wasn't already a city there. And they go, oh, this will be our capital city. Mm -hmm. They built the city to be the state capital. And there's lots of interesting energy stuff, ley lines and things. There's oh, lots of copper. Ask about the ley lines. Yes, there's lots of copper. goes right down State, State Street. It does. It does. Um, yes, we have a, we have energy groups here that do gridding with crystals and stuff to try to bring light to our state and magnify, you know, purify uh, things. But um, yes, one of those is State Street runs right by the volcano. And 55 is another one. I-55 North. Um, wow. It runs north and south through our state. That is a huge ley line. Anything Tracy? like that. Have you ever looked into um, or heard about like the old uh, World's Fair events that used to go on? Well, I know about them. Are you talking? Are you talking about 
technology that we no longer have that they used to have during the World Fair events or? Uh, kind of a combo. Like even even the venues, like if you look at like the really old, like some of the first World's Fair events in America, it almost looks like ancient Rome. And then right after these events, they demolished it. Like almost like oh, yes. impo impossible mm -hmm. architecture that they could have built. Yeah, that's, yes. Hey, look, in England, the Crystal Palace. Right? Yep. Have you have you looked at that? Unbelievable. How did they do that in an age before they could manufacture glass? It was all blown, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think, there's I mean all kinds of stuff. Kind of the conspiracy side of me thinks that um there was maybe even a whole culture like the natives that lived here that we were just taught to think that they were you know, basic in some way, whenever maybe it was a lot, a lot more extensive and a lot more advanced than what we're told. Well, people are certainly aware um, as far as energetic ley lines and things being built on ley lines. You know, if you want to go down that road, uh, the 33rd parallel, you can look into all of the things that are built on the 33rd parallel, which also is in Mississippi. Yeah, a lot of prisons are built on the 33rd parallel because of the energy there. And it's just a very strange topic if you go start going going down oh, yeah. all these, oh, yeah. these different roads, you know. <laughs> if, if you can read all kinds of stuff and find out information. But uh, in Europe, you know, especially in England, it's easy to find ley lines because they're well known there. All of the great cathedrals are built atop those, which originally were Roman uh, points. You know, that the, the religion that was came before Christianity was Mithraism. And then Roman the Roman culture had these sites built there. Well, the Catholic Church came in and the Anglican Church came in and built churches on top of those sites yep. to take the energy from those ley lines and to use it. You know, it, to, to kind of companion with that, uh, a lot of folks think that the reason that cathedrals are like the architecture, the way uh, or the architecture that's built the way it is, is for um, kind of a combo between like those le the ley line energy and the the hertz of sound that can be reverberated. Well, yes, they're built to. to they're built, they're built for several reasons. Visually, <clears throat> to create awe in the peasant population so that when they walk in, they're visually so astonished that they literally just fall to their knees. And then the sound, the vibrational part, you know, I read something or saw something recently. Uh, it was talking about the rose windows. Any great cathedral you go in in Europe has these huge stained glass windows. But the shape of them, is cymatic, which means, uh, you know, sound makes an image. If you yep. take sand and put it on a plate and you vibrate the plate, it makes a, a sacred geometry image. Yes. Those rose windows are sacred geometry images like sound. So they, what they say is they didn't used to have glass in them. They used to be there. So the sound reverberated through and created a special atmosphere and had all kinds of interesting energy effects. That's amazing. That it was on, 
It was only later they put the glass in to stop all that up. Um, they remind yeah. me, I, I think I've, I've talked about this definitely with you, Morgana. Um, like there, there's a bunch of crazy um, practices going on with that sort of thing in Russia, specifically from one man. But it, it, even older than that, there was a um, a meditation that was purely vibrational like that. It's it's it all revolves around numbers. Um, and the the Russian man's name, I believe, is um, Grabovoy, and it's called the Grabovoy Code. He's still alive, actually. Um, you don't hear a lot about him because he was in prison for for what he done. Um, and you can look up the, it's called, well, I already said that, Grabable Code. He went to prison for allegedly raising uh, somebody back from the dead pet cemetery style with these codes and mantras. Mm -hmm. Don't mess with the Russians. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey. This, this, this dude's very scary to, to research. But, you know, I, I, I can get that because, okay, I've got singing bowls. And when I'm just mm -hmm. at the end of my rope, I will come home and sit in the middle of my floor and start playing one. And, and when it hits that perfect note, I calm down. So. Yes, yeah, some singing bowls. Oh, gosh. You know, um, and, and yep. that's another, you know, one of the things that the littles, when they're over, they know that they can get those at any point in time. Yep. <laughs> because they can't there. hurt them. Yeah. Yes. Well, and that's why they were built for what yes. you're exactly doing. I, I, I use those in my studio and the pitches are always set either perfect fourth or perfect fifths apart. So it'll be like G, A, D, E. And those those uh, partials or harmonics are scientific. In other words, how a frequency vibrates and then there's a multiplication or a um, ratio of the next mm -hmm. vibrations it's mathematical and i completely agree that's why it works i mean that the the greeks taught that they, when you when you were an ancient greek they were the first civilization to have formal education but music was part of every course so if you studied math you studied music with it you studied language you studied music with it they couldn't yes. they felt that they could not separate sound and music from anything. I agree with that. And, I, and I, I've always said that generally someone that's really good at math will be really good at learning music because, well. you know, it just, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that, Morgan. I've had a lot of students over the years. That, uh, <laughs> well, well, and, there, and I suck at math. Such, I, I was going to say, know. there's always a such thing <laughs> as natural talent. But I mean, learning to to read music and play music, because everything in it's mathematical, it's quarters and sixteenths. And, you know, so I think a lot of that goes hand in hand. Exceptions to every rule. Yeah, understanding it and, and yep. watching it take place can sometimes mm -hmm. be two different things. But what yes. you're saying is is right because it is. See, see, this goes back to something I said earlier is that everything really can be explained. Mm -hmm. There's really yep. not any magic. It's it's all just science unexplained. Right. 
and really we have all the explanations. We've just been hidden from a lot of the explanations. Absolutely. Agreed. Well, I have yep. a question uh, just uh, for you guys. I, and we don't even have to answer this now, but before we close, I would like for maybe us to all answer this because we're all, you know, the, uh, happily, you told me the purpose, you know, this, we're all just sort of in a round table. We're talking about our experiences and bringing a spiritual or inject nature to any topic, because that's part of the aspects of our human experience. So when we're, we're little kids, something weird that happened, something strange that you remember that happened when you were a little kid. Uh, I just love to hear a story, you know, like whether it's seeing a UFO or, or watch, you know, having a talk with a ghost or, I, I, you know, just anything weird <laughs> from when you were a kid. I'd love to hear that. Yep. Said, so, well, where are the weird bunch? You know, so. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, and that's the thing. Yeah. And, and I think that would be cool too. But um, the thing that, that, it doesn't bother me, but thing, the thing I've sat back and noticed with a lot of people, like my mother, for instance, like I said, she was raised, you know, Southern Baptist and Pentecostal. So she was very closed in things. But there were things I remember her talking about when I was a child and striking it totally up to her imagination because there's no way that could have happened. Oh, well, I, I thought I saw a woman over there, you know, and she she looked like she wanted to talk to me, but I know it was just my imagination. Well, why does it just have to be your imagination? Why don't you open that up just a little bit and understand that there are other, you know, realms and and beings that just because you can't explain it away doesn't mean it's not there. What is reality anyway? Right. Exactly. You know, but I, I have noticed a lot of people, especially the older you get, you know, that a lot of people just nothing could possibly happen outside of the realm of what's totally explainable. That's my mom. I, mm -hmm. I think that like, if you, if you believe in kind of that we're being recycled over and over again mm -hmm. through these lives, my mom is the most innocent, <laughs> just innocent, gullible in a good way. Mm -hmm. awesome person but she's literally her soul is like a child like it, mm -hmm. it and it? she's the same way she could see bigfoot walking through the woods and she'd just be like oh look at that <laughs> same, same thing with ghosts yeah she, yeah she has ghost stories and she just she, she'll tell you about it she's just like i don't know who knows <laughs> that's awesome i love that and, and and that's the thing too. Like I said, you know, I, I, there are certain audiences that I don't talk about these kind of things with, you know, because they're not at that place. Mm -hmm. That's you know, right. And everything. And I don't feel that it's my place to push anybody, you know, in that direction. And if they're ready, they're ready. So, but it's like uh, my daughter is a good example. You know, my children got drugged from everything to from pagan circles to. Catholic services to the Buddhist temple. I mean, I exposed them to everything. And, you know, when they got old enough, they followed the path that they chose. She's a Christian. My son's an atheist, you know, so it could have gone either way. But she has uh, had prophetic dreams since she was a small child, 
mm. about, you know, deaths, co- you know, coming in the family or, you know, uh, somebody getting hurt and stuff, but it terrifies her. So she chooses to just push it away, you know, and, and I've always, you know, tried to tell her, you know, it, if you get to a point where you want to talk about it, I'm here. But like I said, you know, it's just something that it's just always, she's always been scared of it. Mm. So, and I don't know how to make that better for her because to me, it's just a part of who you are, but yeah. you know, it's, it's not for her. She's not there. So, so, so I think that, um, Hadley sh- should go first on, uh, childhood evolution. <laughs> How about, yeah, I want to hear something strange that happened, you know. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, one of the first things that I really remember was going out, and you know, Mississippi storm season, how you oh, yeah. the winds and calling the storm. Yeah. I mean, I was little, probably like five or six, and it's like I just knew it. And it's something, you know, there was just something to it. It had a feel to it that just stuck with me. But other than that, Did you my say grandmother calling call the storm. Yeah, like calling the winds up. You know, playing with them. It oh, was, okay. Got you. you know. Got you. Yeah, we we That's never awesome. called it that. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, other than that, it's like my my grandmother. There was all these stories about her having. You know, she'd had these visions, and my uncle would call her but that was that witchy side to her and everybody in the family talked about it but she never mentioned it you know it was just who she was and it was just very odd and I always wanted to know more she's Mm. the one who would talk about the old wild man in the woods and um that old booger you better you know better not go out there after dark that booger boy will get you (laughs) and I was like I thought she was racist, and then I found out that's talking about a Bigfoot. You know, they didn't have a name for a Bigfoot. They called Bigfoot's boogers. And I could remember listening to those stories. But, um, so I'd say, you know, that's another. And then, for me, and this was like the driving force in my pursuit of my spiritual self was my dreams. Because my dreams had different flavors, and I could tell there was some that had so much more to them. And there was some, they meant something and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. And then there were others where I knew like I was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Other dreams I knew they were prophetic and it was just a matter of deciphering it. But that was one of the big things when I finally made it to the journey class that I realized all those places I had been dreaming was a journey. And yeah. I knew what I was looking for, but I had gone to psychics. I'd gone, I studied, started studying witchcraft and stuff when I was in my teens, trying to figure it out. Right. Looking for some answer of how you well, could Yeah, I, I knew something mm-hmm. was going on, but no one could tell me what it was. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was my biggest pursuit. And that's when Morgana and I met was I was trying to bring people together because for me, it was never about being a witch. It was never about being pagan. It was never about being Christian. It was, we're women and or, or we're people, and this is who we are. No one's talking about these things. I want to find people who I can talk about this stuff with. Yeah, and in Mississippi, boy, that's tough to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we kind of know now there's a group, you know, there's lots of people, but, but well, back and then... That- 
back then it was different. And that was even really when um, like groups were first really starting to get started, you know, on, on yeah. online, like mm-hmm. Yahoo groups and stuff. So when you were going yeah. to meet somebody, yeah. you were really kind of like, my husband had a heart attack the first time I drove. <laughs> you know, I'm like, we're meeting in a public place. It's okay. You know, because, you know, you just, you didn't know, but like, well, it was worth that pursuit. And I'll tell you from my experience with the, the pagan world oh, God. was, um, there's a lot of people who they're drawn to this for the wrong things. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it's with any, right. with anything. Yeah. And you really got to be careful who you, you know, hang out with. Um, because, and I hate to say, cause it brings it to you, but it does. Yep. But, um, you know, well, there's a lot of lack of education and yes. so, you know, people are, people are grasping. Well, and people want you to be something that you're not. Right. I mean, That's right. Even in I, those communities, you know, it's supposedly, uh, it's, different because we understand more but yet you still have those same human issues you have those power struggles you have those uh you know you, you'll have a narcissist running the show you know I was married to him. <laughs> yeah i mean you know so yes and the and the thing is is that when you are seeking you don't have your personal power in place you're not in that medicine wheel in your heart and anchored so you can't quite discern who you should listen to, who you shouldn't. Well, and I've, I'm not one who wants to be in control. I want to be part of a working team. <laughs> and that's something people don't get. No, because people try to put you in that position. I yep. mean, and that's, it's because of who you are. We re, we've always referred to her as the cat herder. <laughs> <laughs> because she brings the most different, diverse groups of people together. She's fantastic at it. But because she's really good at that, it's assumed, oh, she's in charge. And that's not where she really wants to be. You know, I mean, it's let's all do this together. You know? Yeah. Well, one person, first off, the person who wants to be the leader shouldn't be the leader. That's true. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) And secondly, you know, everybody has a strength and everybody has a weakness. And Mm -hmm. it's about working together where everything works the right way. Yep. Well said. Very well said. I got so much flack. There was this one couple that they were getting married and they they wanted me to be the high priestess at their ceremony and do their wedding. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I can't. I'm not a high priestess and I don't feel comfortable. And they got mad at me. And it's like, and I just sat there and it was just like, these people don't, they're not letting me be me. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make me be something I'm not. And so, yeah, that, that did not last long for me. Um, The organizing the pagans was just too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that needs to go on like a uh, a meme of some type. Organizing the pagans is just too much. Oh, it is. But you know, after we kind of got out of all of that stuff, I had someone invite me in a group down here, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of in a place where I'm just uh, I feel like I need to be on my own with with my 
evolution and everything. And they're like, oh, but you could you you could help run it. No, 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 no. And best of luck to you all. Mm-hmm. I hope it works out for you. Because it just, like I said, you know, we did, we had, a, you know, ran into some problems. You know, the, the, the pagan community is crazy. As, as true. A, <laughs> because like I said, you know, there are those human, you know, personalities and conflicts and just, but everybody, you know, expects, like Hadley said, you know, they expect you to be a certain thing and in a certain place. And if you don't live up to that then it's your fault. One of the most, and I say magical because I just like that word, Mm -hmm. but one of the most magical souls I've ever met is a Christian. Mm -hmm. She took me to her grandmother's house who was very Christian. And I walked in and I heard, you know, like you can hear that vibration. Uh And I was like, what's that? So I'm like looking around because, you know, I I know, you know, Meemaw Mm -hmm. is not at home. I don't want to plunder through her stuff. She had a rock, a rock, little like a little ball of rocks, and those rocks were singing, and I could hear their vibration. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the witchiest thing I've ever walked into somebody's house and seen. And these people were very Christian. And that's what, I mean, and that's what people don't get mm-hmm. is for people to have that kind of soul and that kind of energy, it doesn't matter what your religion is. It's who you are. It's yes. ingrained in, you know, the fibers of your being. Yep. Absolutely. And you do, you pick that up on people, you know, certain people just have this feeling when their energy touches you, you're like, Oh wow. I want to be with this person. You know, I want to spend time with this person. Well, I had something interesting happen today. Um, My, the, this girl that I was best friends with my senior year and probably into college, she moved here from Detroit. And we were talking today and she was like, yeah, I had to go and get some sage when she got her divorce. And she's like, I had to sage those bad bad vibes out of my house. And I go, I go, how did we not know this about each other? (laughs) And she said, I told you, you were my diamond in the rough. (laughs) Because that's what she calls me. And I'm like, what do you, but you know, she said, I always knew you were like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was like, I wish you told me. I didn't know you were like that. I didn't tell anybody I was like that because I didn't want someone to burn me at the stake. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You get that fear, which drives everything. Well, yeah. it, it does because, I mean, you grow you grow up hearing at, you know, you your go to church with your friends and you hear, I will not suffer a witch. And you're like, oh, but what's wrong with witches? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you have these kind of dreams, you're a witch. Well, I didn't, I'm not doing anything other than going to sleep. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, you know, Stephen, when he was in, I think he was a sophomore in high school, started going to church with one of his friends from school. And um, he had been going probably for about six months, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And he came home one day and he said, Mom, would you be upset with me if I decided to be a Christian? I'm like, son, I have no problem with that. You're old enough to make that choice. Now, don't come home trying to convert me and we'll be good, you know. Mm-hmm. And one week later, he was at the church and he had a pentagram necklace that he wore. And it happened to be outside of his shirt. And the youth director took him to the side 
and decided that he was going to save his soul because he was on the path to hell. The last time that child ever set foot in church. And I'm I, had similar, I had a similar experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which like, you know, very, very small town. Mm -hmm. You have someone who's openly into spirituality, understanding mm -hmm. um, paranormal. Yep. Um, and one of my good friends, mother, was super heavy into this church. But it was like kind of like the Rochester Gemstones, like it was the biggest church in, in town. So I've got to so, watch that. So we walk in, and I mean, there's just tons of people, hundreds of people, and we sat down in the back. The band, the band sat down in the back, mm -hmm. and we were playing like metal at the time, like really heavy music, and the preacher looks at me and he says and the devil is in the back of this house right now and we all just looked at each other and we stood up and just walked off we're like oh god <laughs> see that's so that's crazy that. yeah that that is so crazy because they had him i mean he was ready to commit and this one person blew it in in one five minute session and i'm like you know this is why you're losing people because you're trying to change them you know it was a necklace big woo i mean but yeah like i said that was the last time he ever set foot in a church well i, I am absolutely with what we were talking about in the beginning mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think that you have to to go to someone's anything like you can just find it yourself if you want that's to. right absolutely you know, and that's, I find that because I've done a huge religion, you know, comparative religion studies throughout the years too. They're so similar, but most people that follow any given faith see the differences. But when you look at the roots of them, they're all pretty similar, you know. Well, you remember when I worked at the synagogue, uh -huh. which was, I, and I maintain it was one of the best experiences I've ever had at the job. Mm -hmm. But, um, one of the things that I loved about it was it did not matter what you, if you had questions for God, they wanted you to question God. That's what God wants you to do. Mm -hmm. and they encouraged that. And that was what, you know, one of the things that, um, oh, he's got to let the dogs in. <laughs> um, that's one of the things that I just was fascinated by the fact that, they really encourage people to question at an early age to question God. Mm -hmm. And that's was so not what we were raised thinking. Right. Was the right. exact opposite. So yep. well Morgana, that uh -huh. God did that God did save your son's soul, didn't he? He did. He did. <laughs> because, and that's the, that's the thing. Like I said, he's. He, I, I'm proud of my two kids. I mean, they, they've turned out to be very respectful young adults. But um, he, uh, where he works at, their uh, their foreman every morning says a prayer before they go mm. out to work because he mm. works in scaffolding. So it's you know a very high risk job. And uh, one of his coworkers asked him one day, he goes, you bow your head every morning and you say amen at the end. You're an atheist. He goes, what does it take from me to be respectful 
and to bow my head and to say amen. It takes nothing from me. And I'm like, that's it right there, son. You, you're good. I don't worry about his soul. I know it's going to be back again, you know. <clears throat> so, but, you know, I, I think he's done very well. And like I said, you know, it's his path has led him where he needs to be. And yeah. he's, he's being very good with the girls and, you know, making sure that they're exposed to different beliefs also. So I think that that's perfect. But well, the, the biggest gift that humanity's been given in every religion is the gift of free will. Yes. And, yes. and when you contradict that with rules and dogma and so forth, uh, you can have free will, but only if you do it the way we say, and right. only if you do step one before step two. And remember, on this day, you do this and don't say that and better do this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And we're going to tell you what you need to know. And by the way, you can't really talk to God yourself. It has to go through someone else. <laughs> yes. You know, you start getting into all that. It's like, well, where's the free will in any of that? Mm -hmm. well, right. The way I explained it to myself when I worked at the synagogue, because I would see these people who were very highly educated Christians leave the Christian church to, you know, convert to Judaism. And, you know, the rabbi and I would have these long talks. The rabbi was probably about four or five years older than me. So, you know, he was fairly young and we would just sit down and have these talks. And I just realized that God speaks us to us all in the way that we need. Yes. Whether it is by us going into nature and identifying with the source or with the universe or, you know, with whatever we want to call it when we're in nature that that's one thing and that might be what somebody else needs from, you know, a altar in a Catholic church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, it's just, it's whatever it is, it finds a way that you can understand in order to speak to you. Yes. But I don't understand how someone can be so egotistical that they think that their way is the one right way. Yes. Well, especially when you're looking, well, you, you look you how talk, big the you're world talking about is. the masses. Yeah. But you look how big the world is and everybody's experience is different. Mm -hmm. And I think what made me get on this trail was the fact that um, the rabbi had mentioned to me that most women who have been abused sexually will leave the um, the religion that they were in at the time of their abuse. That they will go somewhere else. And I thought, well, that makes sense. I guess, you know, if, if you feel like God let you down, you know, you might go other places. Yeah. But um, it was just, and I, like I said, I think that just is what led me to where I was. And I'm perfectly comfortable thinking that, you know, the people who were, con that I was seeing convert from Christianity to Judaism would tell me it's because I had questions and the Christian church had no answers for me. Mm -hmm. So I was still looking. I had that guy, and I don't know if you remember this, Morgana, but I had a guy who was, um, he was like one step away from being a Catholic priest. And he learned something, and he wouldn't tell me what it was, but he left the Catholic church completely. He said they have they have so much hidden and so much stuff 
<laughs> I, I do vaguely remember that. <laughs> well, I, I had some good conversations up there. And it was very interesting because everybody that came in that wasn't Jewish thought I was Jewish. And everyone mm -hmm. who came in that was Jewish thought I was Christian. So I was just there going, no one knows who I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to send you guys some stuff in the uh, the group chat after this. Okay. Awesome. In that in that tune. Well, y'all haven't answered. I was gonna say, yeah, Tully, your turn. And my my, my turn about childhood. Uh huh. Yeah, or anything, just anything that's happened to you that's you know the average person would be like, that's weird, or yeah, you no. know, might deny it or something. So I grew up really really poor um like we lived in a single wide trailer in a holler in the middle of nowhere um my parents were honest and this workers. was kentucky this was kentucky yep, yep. it was yeah. uh manchester kentucky and my dad you know he's originally from where i live now um mm -hmm. my grandmother moved up from where they live to here, I know I'm bouncing around. She moved here for World War II. She built airplanes in World War II in Cincinnati. Awesome, awesome. So, so she was she was literally, um, you know, a woman in the war. Um, so she did all that. World War II ended, and she started the family. Um, you know, had my dad and and his brother and sister. And my dad was the only one that ended up moving back down. And uh, he bought part of her father's property from her. And my grandma was our only neighbor on this huge expanse of land. Um, my mom's mom was my primary caretaker in the summer and after school. So, but specifically in the summer, mm -hmm. she would drop me off and, you know, it was more of me taking care of her because my Nana mm -hmm. for the majority of my life had very debilitating diseases and, you know, you name it, cancer, emphysema. Um, so she was just couch ridden and she had the only TV in the house. So most of my time was either spent outside and that was semi-rare because it was either too hot, too cold. Because um, my Nana was very protective of me. And the majority of my time was spent, you know, sort of in a, definitely not on video games because I didn't have any way to do that. But it, making up things in my own head, like just mm -hmm. sitting there and just kind of taking everything in. And this is going to sound crazy, but I would sit up against her her walls in the house were white and there were times where i would just stare at that white wall for hours and hours and hours just making up my own worlds and probably the first experience that i ever had of something manifesting i went to sleep in one of these kind of stare down sessions 
and I was still in the house and I walk into the kitchen and turn around and there's a woman in a, um, in a hospital gown and she has white hair and she turns around to speak to me. And when she tries to speak to me, she opens her mouth and blood starts pouring out. And I've had similar experiences of this in my adult life, but at the time I didn't know, I mean, it scared me to death. I was like five or six. Mm. So I woke up scared to death, went in and uh, told Nana and she just kind of brushed it off. Didn't think nothing about it for, you know, a long time after that. And then one day, um, Nana got out a picture album with my mom and was flipping through a picture book and maybe my uncle's it, it might have been christmas or something because we used to go to christmas there and i was like uh that's who i saw in my dream wow. and, it, and it was my nana's mother um who had passed mm -hmm. away before i was born and like that, that's still burnt into my because it was a very wow. traumatic dream yeah very traumatic so and she came and showed that to you i guess and yeah what's crazy is i've seen my mom's dad in a dream like that very similar mm -hmm. where they they try to speak to me and they just like i mean it's literally just blood pouring out so how how did that the woman that came how did she actually die do you know i don't i don't um my mom's dad died of cancer though because that might just represent for you you know when you talk to psychics and, and mediums and people you know sometimes there's a symbol that anytime they see it it always means the same thing so yeah. you know like well i see a rose it means this i see a person holding this it means this so perhaps when you we're seeing the image of a human and they have blood and coming out of their mouth. That means something about either they died or they died a painful death or they died a death from an illness. You know, maybe there's some clue there. It could be, uh, in, you know, any dead people that I've ever seen in um, either like astral sense or mm -hmm. dreams, they can't ever talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, I have that problem too. Like, not the blood coming out of their mouth, but, like, I've had people try and talk to me that I know have passed on, and it's like I just can't hear them. It's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. yep. I just can't hear what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Yep, agreed. And the only other thing I'll say when I was young, I was very good at guessing things. Like, uh, for instance, uh, I was, again, probably five, six, or seven, and my aunt came up at Christmas Christmas, and she's like, I have a present for you, but it's going to cost you. And I remember having a penny in my pocket and I pulled out a penny and she says, if you can guess what it is, I'll let you keep the penny. And I don't even know where, I don't know where it came from. I didn't think about it. I was just like, it's enough. And she opened her hand and that was enough. And I immediately, uh, she gave it to me and I opened it and uh, cut myself because I was too young to have enough. <laughs> <laughs> Bad yeah. present. Bad <laughs> present. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I used to be able to do that, too. It drove my parents crazy. 
they couldn't buy me anything. I'd hold the box and shake it and I'd know what it was. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know how, I, don't, I, I know what you mean. You don't know. It just flies into your head. It's like, I agree. Ooh. Yeah. I have a, I have a more recent story. And the only reason I'll tell you this is because the person ended up getting it tattooed. Mm, um, okay. So we go to Clearwater every year, Florida. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just happens in my life that I meet wonderful people like you guys. And it seems like I just sort of gravitate into these situations where I meet these awesome people all the time. And we stumbled into a fan. We were the only people in this condominium like complex that wasn't family and ended up like being adopted into this family. So we go to Clearwater every year to, to meet them now um, every single year. And they know I'm kind of like, into craziness <laughs> and you know all we had you know sometimes i read tarot and mm -hmm. i'm not a traditional tarot person by any means and i do my own interpretations you know similar to how people have their own interpretations for like rune expressions <laughs> but all i had was a deck of cards and this guy was just like, show me something crazy. Show me something crazy. And I was just like, well, all I can do is just kind of scry the cards and you tell me what they mean to you. And uh, I pulled out an ace of hearts and a ten of hearts. And he like teared up. Wow. And and it was nothing that it was nothing. I wasn't I wasn't looking through the cards and picking them out. I was mm -hmm. literally just like just I forget what the word is, but I just was literally just jerking them mm -hmm. and, and just being like, this is the card. This is the card. And he just first two cards, he started telling me the story. He was in the air force and apparently like an A-10 is a type of plane and had all these experiences. Oh, wow. And he ended up getting the, uh, the ACE and the 10 tattooed after the fact. So I, I can't, I'm not a psychic, <laughs> I don't think. I just think that whatever I have kind of plays off the energy of the people I'm around, maybe. But isn't that being psychic in a way? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be able Wait. to tell you <laughs> your future, <laughs> you know, like. Well, that's can, not really what psychics your, do. I can feel your pain. <laughs> hey, I know that one. Yeah, that's that empath. Yeah, that's that empath. You got to build good shields, Tully. You yes. learn how to how to shield and develop uh, concerned detachment. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because and, and self medicating is only a temporary fix for that's it. Right, sure is. <laughs> that's right. My experimental teenage years was self medicating, trying to block that stuff out. <laughs> Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I, I knew a person who <laughs> done uh, uh, mushrooms at some point and played an instrument whilst on mushrooms. And it was the craziest spiritual experience ever mm -hmm. when I was, when this person was younger. <laughs>
I'd like to talk to this person about that. <laughs> <laughs> like much, much younger, probably you know, 15 years ago or something. Mm -hmm. Yep. Understand. Very interesting. Yep. 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 Cool. All right. I guess that's me then. Yep. All right. So I know earlier uh, we had talked a little bit about my dad and, you know, imaginary friends. I really did have friends that were around most of my life. I mean, I still see them occasionally. Um, the earliest thing I remember, I was probably about four or five years old. And uh, like Hadley said, I can, I can I've always been able to separate what dreams were just fluff from what was past life and what was prophetic. You know, it just each one of them has a different feel. And uh, when I was about five years old, I remember being on a battlefield and just terrified. Uh, at the time, my brother and I had bunk beds and I woke up screaming and fell out of the bed is the reason this memory sticks with me, I think, so much. Um, because like I said, you know, I was small and uh, there are these people on horses and their swords and all these people are killing each other. And then a couple of years later in the library, I picked up, it was uh, kind of similar to the Fodor uh, travel guides that you see. Yeah. And it was talking about the Battle of Culloden Moor. And oh. that was that memory. I recognized the landscape. And the more I read, and then that's that's probably when I started actively researching, was probably at about eight or nine years old after finding that. Wow. Yeah. So that was like a past life vision or something. Yes. Yes. And, and like I said, and I, I mean, I've, I've remembered quite a few past lives. Uh, like I said, um, the empathy, yeah, that's been around as long as I can remember. You know, somebody else's child gets upset and starts crying and you have to cry right along with them. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you do learn to um, build those shields up and those walls up and everything because that's the only way you survive mm -hmm. and everything. Um, like I said, you know, grew up, like I said, my dad's always been spiritual, like I said, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you know, we spent days at a time out in the woods. Uh, and if you've got that little spark of whatever, and you can find that silent time away from all the rest of the kids and everything, you can hear the wind. You can feel, you know, the, the, the other spirits around you. Mm -hmm. uh, I can remember playing with my aura when I was a small child. Now Just that is cool. How yeah. did you do that? I don't know. I, uh, at some point, I was no longer able to do that. But I mean, I can remember just sitting there and, you know, touching the colors and watching the sparks and the, you know, manipulating the energy and everything. Were you, were you able to do that? Like, let's say, look at your hand and do it. Or were you yes, looking at a yes. wall or in the mirror? Or? Right, no, like looking at my hands. It's oh. almost like, you know how they tell you to envision an energy yeah. ball when you're doing yeah. you know, kind of like that. Like I said, wow. just being able to see those colors just like warp as you, you know, brought your hands together and pulled them apart and stuff like that. And it was really funny because when I went to college, I had a design instructor that she was so cool. She was a hippie out of the 60s. You know, she married her college professor back when it wasn't cool to do that. And, uh, <laughs> So, but I remember her talking about that one and she started talking about auras in the middle of class and everybody in the class is looking at her going, what the hell is she talking about? And I'm looking at her going, Ooh, keep talking. 
And she says, what, don't any of you ever remember when you were a kid playing with your aura? And I'm like, I remember that, <laughs> you know? So it was, it was very validating to have someone else that you had never spoken to about anything like that say the same thing. Mm -hmm, you know? so sure. That was awesome. And uh, like I said, you know, I, I was able to talk to my dad about almost anything. And we did touch on a lot of spiritual stuff. But after he died and I realized I no longer had that, he died in 2001. And that's when I started looking and met Hadley and the rest of that group of friends. And, wow. you know, it's just huge because eventually you find your tribe. And my mm -hmm. mom has trouble comprehending the, the mindset of family that's not really family. You know, even mm -hmm. though, you know, she grew up with, you know, she grew up with it too, but it's, she just doesn't grasp when I say, oh, I've got a sister, you know, that writes books and she's like, what? And I'm like, okay, mom, just, just, just let's let, let it go. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? Because, you know, I've got two families. I mean, I've got mm -hmm. my family that means the world to me. And then I've got my soul family. And some of them have been with me through life after life. Yeah. And it's awesome when you find those parts of yourself. Well, it's fascinating about, <clears throat> and you know, the other reason I asked that is because I think mm -hmm. when we're children and we, we really go back and think of the things that we were able to experience and mm -hmm. there weren't any real questions about it from no. other people because you're a kid, you're experiencing it and you're just kind of going, Oh, well, right. that's, we that's weird. Or, oh, uh -huh. that's interesting. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. All you, right. I and you really that. don't bring it up to your other friends no, per se until, no. you know, unless it's happening while they're there and you're like, oh, do you see that? And they look at you funny and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to talk to them about that anymore. But right. I do remember uh, uh, I've got a couple of cousins that we actually, they had this old abandoned house that was out near them when we were kids. And there was a ghost lady with a cat that lived in that house. And we've all seen it. Yes, there oh. are old lady ghosts with cats, Tully. Totally. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yes, 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 yes. But I mean, it was really funny because like I said, you know, till this day, neither of them believe in anything else, but they will tell you without question, they believe in ghosts and why. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yep. Good point. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very yep. interesting. Yep. And how about you, Miss Tracy? That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> well, I, well, there's quite a few different ones, but I'll tell you one that I find really interesting. Um, I can remember being, I couldn't have been more than three maybe four years old because we had a Volkswagen Beetle and we lived way outside of town. And so my dad was going to go to the store in Dixburg. He said, come on, get in the car. So I sat in the back seat and I had to be that small because I could not even really see out the window. I can remember looking up and seeing the window, but I was too short. My eyes were not above where the window started. So I must've mm -hmm. been really little. But that car made a, a distinct sound. It had a, di a distinct vibration. And I could tell how fast we were going, you know, and I would like to look out and watch the trees zip past and see how fast they were speeding by and try to guess how fast we were going and things. And as we approached town, the trees would turn into the telephone poles. 
And so we'd slow down and I'd watch the poles go by and they get slower. We'd pull up to a stop sign or something. And I remember this one day we pulled up to, I guess, a stop sign or a stoplight. And there on the telephone pole was a, a really big bird. I don't know if it was a hawk or a crow or what, a buzzard or something. But I remember it was really big. And I looked up at that bird. And the next thing I can remember is I am that bird looking down at me in that car, looking up at me. I oh, saw yeah. my own face in the, in the green Volkswagen Beetle sitting in the seat, looking at myself. So it was like a, a couple of seconds of, and then all of a sudden I was back in my body. We, the car started again. Well, I, I, it took me 48 years or something later to find out that what happened was, is that I shapeshifted. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what the natives call it. You become the animal that you're with or that you're having the experience with. But I never really thought much about it. I just remembered it was, it felt unusual. And it wasn't something you go tell people about, but it, I always remembered it. Mm -hmm. That's and, um, awesome. So it was kind of a weird thing that happened. But I, I was a very weird kid. <laughs> I just was that kid. You know, I was real, I was real intelligent. I made straight A's and all that stuff, but I was just the weirdo, really. I mean, I didn't have that many close friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I was the kid in junior high that grabbed everybody in study hall in the library and got magazines and opened them and said, okay, now close your eyes and put your hand on there. See if you can psychically tell what color that is. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm that kid, you know, I'm, and I, I love the show. There was a show uh, when I was growing up <clears throat> about ESP. And it was this it, Gary Collins, who uh, was the actor, but he played a, a like a, psychotherapist that was an ESP psychotherapist and he would do all these tests with people with those cards, you know, I forget mm -hmm. what they're called, but it has like the star and the circle and the square. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you try to psychically guess what they are. Oh, I love that show. I'd read books on ESP and, you know, try telepathy and, and I could well, tell when people were lying. I knew when people were lying. If you oh, ever yeah. want a uh, mental floss for that sort of thing, there's a, um, well, be, be careful to not get too good at it, but there's an app called RV Tournament, and they... Put that in the chat. I'll go look that up. Okay, um, yeah. They they give you... Um, I think they give you a description or like... Oh, something. remote viewing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know and, I've done that <laughs> and they give you images to choose from and it's kind of like mm -hmm. a, a tournament of people who are mm -hmm. remote viewers how about that I'll have to try that because I'm pretty good at that yeah I've That's downloaded way too many apps just to see what they were uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you, that's what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. depending on who's running that app, you might not want to be too good at it. <laughs> well, exactly. You know what? That's a good point there. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. It's funny, it's funny you mentioned the birds. Like, from, like I, I have a, a lot of different um, beliefs and, and things that go into my spirituality, but one huge thing for me is, um, 
you know, kind of the, the nature aspect of things. Um, and in my own personal experience, you know, certain birds have been sort of indicators of kind of the climate of how things that come are going to be for me. Okay. We're like, going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to stop right here. Like we're omens. Because <laughs> it's time to turn off. And I want to have continue having this conversation. Okay. And, um, I would like to say, Tracy, you are more than welcome to come back anytime. Because I've for thoroughly sure. enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was so fun. Thank you for having me. Really well, enjoyed it. This is what we do. Um, like I said, it, we, we do other stuff too. But this is what the three of us do. And we have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Love it. We're yeah. the fun ones. Y'all are awesome. Love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's we'll talk more after the show and you definitely set a date and have you back if you are available. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Before you go, be sure to leave us a comment and let our weird team know how they're doing. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us to get notifications when we add new content. We're adding new content three, four, and sometimes five times a month. If you want to keep the conversation going or would like to learn more about our panel of hosts, be sure to check out our link tree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Weird Realities. It links to our official Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and website. Weird Realities podcast is made possible by Lauren Smith, producer with Night Callers Production and Logan Craft with Beaver Hook Productions.